Jeremiah 8, 11 through 13. They've healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They didn't know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among the fallen. When I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. When I would gather them, declares the Lord, there were no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree. Even the leaves are withered. And what I gave them has passed away from them. Mark 12, Mark 11, verses 12 through 25. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seen in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he decided to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you've made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and scribes heard it. And they were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it'll be done for him. Therefore I say to you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. What is our way to God? That's part of what God sent Jeremiah to answer. You know, people have been have been leading God's people have been simply saying, "Oh, peace, peace. You know, it's it's fine, it's fine. You know, no 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 problems." When there is no peace, they're not ashamed of their sins. They're not ashamed of picking idols over God. They're just going through the motions of sacrifices. Winning, you know, the good living, influence, and popular respect. Is that our way to God? To paper things over saying peace when there is no peace. To, to be unashamed of our idolatry. To be, to be, you know, going through the motions. Coming to church. Saying prayers. Is there a way to God winning a good living? Winning influence? Winning popular respect? Yeah, Jesus came to Jerusalem for a reason. He came with a plan, as we heard last week. He came to die to take away our sins and give us eternal life. This is our way to God. He had to do that. Something has to happen in our hearts. Something has to happen in our hearts. Faith. We need faith. 
That really is is what what's at the root here. You know, Jesus Jesus comes with the disciples past the fig tree that's now withered, and and Peter looks and, and is shocked. Oh, Rabbi, look! The fig tree that you cursed is withered. As if Jesus is going to be surprised by that, the way that Peter is. Peter didn't have that faith. Jesus answers him immediately. Have faith in God. This is what we need. This is what they needed in the temple. People were were obeying. You know the the commandments. There's there's nothing in the commandments that bans you from being a money changer or selling pigeons in the in the temple courtyard. It's not against the rules. Not against the letter of the law. Just against its spirit. The point of the temple is not that commerce and that benefit. The point of the spirit. The point of the temple is prayer for all the nations. Growing people in faith. Now, Psalm fifty one seventeen says, "The sacrifices of God, and this is this is what what's happening in the temple, right? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. That's what God's looking for. Beyond the beyond the sacrifices, or before before the the sacrifices of animals and prayers, God's looking for a broken and contrite heart. God's looking for faith." Jesus comes and talks with prostitutes and tax collectors, right? They are closer to the kingdom. Why is that? Because their behavior is better? No. Because they know that they need to be saved. What makes the scribes and priests fear Jesus and plot against him, it's not because of his cleansing of the temple. It's not. You know, we're we're not told here they... They, they were seeking a way to destroy him for they feared him because he overturned tables. No, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. It's his teaching. That's what they're disturbed by. They're disturbed by the fact that he's teaching and people are listening. That they aren't in charge of God's message. That the, that the call is for faith, not for submission to them. Who should be in charge of God's message? This is something that, that, that churches struggle with today, that, that, that too many church leaders, pastors even, seminaries even, want to, want to update God's message. We fear that it's not resonating. It's not working. The church is declining. You know, my, my congregation is declining, so I must need to update, to change God's message to fit sensibilities. The truth is we're not in charge of it. We're not in charge of God's message. There's a there's a story that's told in the Talmud. So the the, the Jewish Talmud, this is from you know a similar similar time, a little bit a little bit after, within a within a century of Christ's death and resurrection. Talmudic story that rabbis are are meeting together and discussing and debating something, and one of the rabbis says, uh, if, if if one of the rabbis is in the minority on this on this opinion, says if I'm correct, then then may this stream flow backwards, and it flows backwards. If I'm correct, may the walls fall down, and the walls start to fall down. Don't let the rabbi rebukes them. And then the rabbi turns to address God, knowing that God is the one who, is, who has done this, that God is, is, saying, is, is saying that, no, oh, this, this rabbi who's in the minority is actually correct. <laughs> and you know how the story ends. You'd think the story would end with everybody going, oh, well, you know, God has the last word on this. God has the last word. No. The story ends in the Talmud with God being corrected 
because the rabbis say they are in charge of the law. God's ruling on the matter is out, outside of their commentary tradition. doesn't matter. We are told that upon hearing Rabbi Joshua's response, God smiled and stated, My children have triumphed over me. My children have triumphed over me. That's not what Christianity believes. That's not what Jesus believes. No, this might be what the priests in the temple and the scribes at this point are, are thinking. But they have not triumphed over God. That fear, they fear, that fear of what Jesus teaches, because it might contradict them, may undercut them. This, this should instead be their hope. <laughs> the, the, their their hope should not be in their own teaching being correct. Their hope should not be in, in them being in charge of God's message. Their hope should be in what Jesus is teaching instead. You know, a little while before this, John the Baptist, who is one of the one of the stranger prophets, one of the stranger teachers of God's law, is out in the wilderness and he's he's preaching his his father was a priest in the temple. Father's a priest in the temple, and nothing wrong with anything his father was was doing. But the but 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 John the Baptist is out in the wilderness, and he's pointing to something else. He's pointing to submission to Jesus instead. See John three, Rabbi, uh, son of some of uh, John's disciples and friends come to him, and they say, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing, and all are going to him. Talking about Jesus. They're worried about it. You know, is Jesus going to be in charge of God's message now? How come I'm not in charge of it? But John answers, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I'm not the Christ. I've been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the groom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Yet the joy, this therefore this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's his hope. That's what John's hope is. He must increase, but I must decrease. His hope isn't in his own rightness. His hope is in faith. His hope is in faith. See, we live in God's vineyard. We live in God's vineyard is good. It is a blessing, so let him live in your heart. Give him your heart. I, I'm, I'm mean our worship, mean our, our songs, mean our prayers, mean the words that you say. Grow our faith. Trust that, that Jesus rules and that it's good that he does. And come before God in faithful prayer. What Jesus says, uh, Jesus says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. This is, this is a reminder of, of, of God's power. This is a reminder that, that when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he could actually do it. This isn't a means to self-enrichment. Believe that God will do it. Now, this isn't a trick for, you know, manifesting a Mercedes in your garage, because why would you believe that God would do that? But believe that God would soften your heart. These are things that God does. Believe that God will forgive your sins. Believe that God will give you peace in the midst of struggle. Yeah, I can believe that. I can believe that I've received that from God. And asking that in prayer, believing that I've received it, it will be yours. This is what our faith looks like. 
Well, Jesus says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. This mountain. This isn't just a call to prayer. This is, this is a threat, too. This is a threat. Jesus is promising judgment. The mountain is not about, you know, it's not a generic mountain, you know. You say to a mountain, you're taken up and thrown into the sea. Yeah, it'll be, it'll, it'll happen. No. no, he says to this mountain, to this mountain, where are they? They are walking up the hill. They're about to walk up the hill, walk up Mount Zion, the hill that Jerusalem is on. This is a threat. This is a promise. We're called to have faith in part because God brings judgment. God brings judgment if we don't trust in him. The 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 cursing of the of the fig tree on first reading, maybe on the maybe on the second reading, maybe on the third or fourth reading, it's just weird. Is Jesus just angry at a fig tree because he's hungry? <laughs> is he just is Jesus just hangry? No. No, no, Jesus is doing this as a symbol. That's why we, that's why we read this, this passage from, from Jeremiah too. When I would gather them, declares the Lord, there were no grapes in the vine, nor figs in the fig tree. Even the leaves are withered. What I have given to them has passed away from them. And in context, it's clear what God's talking about. God's talking about the, the, the people leading God, leading his people, the ones leading his people who have not been ashamed of committing abominations and idolatry. People who have healed the wound of my people lightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. It's talking about the lack of faith, the lack of fruitfulness borne by his people, despite being given many things. The lack of faithfulness. Well, there are leaves on the tree when Jesus comes to it. Yeah, he walks up to the fig tree because there are leaves on it. There are leaves. The, 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 the tree is capable of growing fruit when it has leaves on it. It's not the season for figs, but, but when there are leaves on it, well, it means the tree is putting its energy somewhere. It has energy. It's, it's, a, it's a live tree. It can produce leaves. It can produce fruit. But it's not. But it's not. Jesus uses this. And the way that Mark records this you know, putting putting these these two these two scenes the scenes of the of the fig tree surrounding the 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 scene at the temple shows us that that's what it's about. It's an illustration of how Jesus is is encountering God's people here, encountering God's people here, and seeing that there are leaves. The temple, it's busy. There are people there. There are money changers and pigeon sellers. The, the, the priests and scribes leading the temple, they're capable of something. They're capable of something. But Jesus didn't come looking for leaves. Jesus didn't come looking for leaves. He came looking for fruit. The priests and scribes have, have produced busyness at the temple. They haven't produced faith. I wanna, if I can come back to, to John the Baptist. You know, Jesus, what John the Baptist said pretty early in his ministry is is when he sees many of the Pharisees and scribes coming 
to his baptism, he said to them, I'm reading from Matthew 3, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That's the thing, fruit. God wants fruit in keeping with repentance from us. Don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our, as our father. Oh, yeah, you know, I've always been a Christian. You know, I, my parents were Christians. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. If the fig tree doesn't produce figs, what good is it? Doesn't have any good except to be cut down and thrown into the fire. There's judgment. There is truly a promise of judgment. Jesus doesn't come doing this because he's because he's, you know, excited about condemning God's people. He comes to it a bit heartbroken over the failure of his people to bear fruit. Uh, we have a we have an apple tree. Had an apple tree that had been failing for a while. Uh, finally died. We we dug it up. Well, we really just pulled it up from the ground, toss it into our into our wood pile. What good is it? What point is letting it continue to take up space? Jesus Jesus tells a parable once. He says, A man had a fig tree, oh, the fig tree again, fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. He said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit in this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But, but if not, you can cut it down. Jesus is bringing judgment. The fruit tree that fails to bear fruit will be cut down. You know, some, some of the Pharisees actually tried to discourage Jesus from going to Jerusalem. They tell him, you know, don't get away from here. Herod wants to kill you. <laughs> Herod wants to kill you. Going there is it's dangerous. Jesus replies, saying, No, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. And on the third day I will finish my work. I'll go my way. Temple a, a prophet should not perish away from Jerusalem. And then he cries out, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem city that kills the prophets, stones that were sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing? What comes because of that? Your house is forsaken, he says. And I tell you, you'll not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Christ comes looking for fruit. And if we bear none, we receive his judgment. So what's our hope? <laughs> what is our hope? Because we have not borne fruit fruit the way we the way we should. We we have we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have fallen short. We've we've been disobedient. 
We've lost ourselves. What are we looking for? Forgiveness. We need forgiveness. And the thing is, forgiveness is also a fruit. It is a companion and consequence of faith that we should forgive others. If we trust in God, then, then, then we can forgive others. If Jesus, Jesus tells, tells a parable one time. He's asked, how, many, you know, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus says, no, 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 not seven times, 77 times. And then he tells this parable. It says, the kingdom of God may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him a 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered justice. The master ordered him to be sold along with his wife and children and all he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. He asked for forgiveness. And as he received it, yes. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Oh, what do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. Jesus says if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is a fruit of faith. Jesus comes and sees a sense of forgiveness. People extending grace to one another. Does he reject that tree? Does he curse that tree? No, not at all. We need that faith. We need to grow in that. This is how we endure God's judgment. Not by being perfect. Not by asserting that we are in control of God's message, but by humility by hope in Christ, by forgiving, so that we, too, may be forgiven. Amen.